minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack a Day Podcast. It is your Saturday crew. A little bit shorthanded this week. I am Jason Perrone of the Packaday Podcast, Game On Wisconsin, Pulse of the Pack Quick Slants Podcast, along with Paul Brettel of Game On Wisconsin, Dairyland Express, and Cheesehead TV. Mark Eckel is enjoying the long weekend, so it is just Paul and I. Paul, how are we doing in the Dairyland State? Fantastic. It is It is football weather out there. We are approaching low 60s for the highs coming up. So you walk outside and you just can't help but get excited for football season, and it's almost here. Wow, and I'm looking at my thermometer right now outside and it's reading 111 so (laughs) summer is a little fall is a little bit delayed in the phoenix area (laughs) we don't start getting cooler temperatures until like the end of october so i've I've got a little ways to go got a little ways to go but uh we are going to with all the talk of roster cuts and trim downs coming up and our team's been doing a good job of talking about that there's a couple of topics that paul and i are going to talk about today related to the packers roster we're not going to go position by position because that's already been done but we'll talk about some of the highlights and some of the bigger storylines with regards to what the Packers might do. They've had a couple of unfortunate injuries this past week, and they've had a couple players visiting. In fact, we'll we'll lead off with that, Paul. So we had a couple of wide receivers that came in for a workout on Friday. One of them was Chester Rogers, a former undrafted free agent with the Indianapolis Colts. He's actually also, interestingly enough, he was a child actor before he settled into playing football in college. He was he worked with Tyler Perry and worked with some big time actors, I guess, at one point in his his career. But uh, so Chester Rogers, wide receiver, was in for a tryout. And then a former second round pick, Devin Smith. Devin Smith was drafted by the Jets in 2015. Most recently, had spent some time with the Cowboys. Uh, he's had a few injuries along the way. And these aren't necessarily tryouts that say, holy cow, they're going to shake up the wide receiver position at all. But it's at least Brian Gutekunst doing due diligence and churning that roster. You know, we had Malik Taylor. Taylor uh, already well Malik Taylor was already on the roster Malik Turner came in recently just to to give some fresh looks at the wide receiver group and then of course you have the guys that are already there in camp so Paul I know you wrote a little bit about Rodgers for Dairyland Express probably also Smith do you see it that same way or do you think there's some a little bit more smoke to the fire with either of these two guys I'm no I don't I mean they're not going to be on the week one roster by any means I think Goody like you said he's just doing his due diligence and I mean he said earlier this week that it's not just the 53 man roster and what's going to be you know undoubtedly an unusual season it's going to take all 69 players you know the the 53 man and then the 16 on the practice squad so whether they sign them or not I mean I guess I don't have an inkling either way I guess I'd lean towards no but even if they do they're just going to be practice squad players for for depth and Chester Rogers he like he said has been with the Colts was there for four years has 111 catches 65 percent catch rate which is solid only 11 yards per catch though and then Devin Smith he's been a big play I was looking at his stats his senior year at Ohio State, he averaged almost 29 yards per catch for a thousand yards. I mean, it was, it was insane, but injuries have been a big part of his career. He's had two ACL injuries. He's only appeared in 18 games and he was drafted in 2015, but even last year coming off of two knee injuries in Dallas, he still had 113 yards on only five catches. So he's a big play guy, which this offense certainly needs, but the Packers are going to rely on MVA for them. So like you said, if anything, they're going to be practice squad guys, but I think for now, Goody's just doing his due diligence, seeing who's out there because in this, like I said, in this, odd season you never know when you're gonna have to call people up from the practice squad and then replenish the practice squad yeah especially especially this season too 
And we're recording this uh, late on Friday. So as of the time you're listening to this show, there's a good chance that some cuts have already been announced. And we already know what direction the Packers are going with some of their of their moves that they're doing. But uh, just a couple of, of interesting storylines and points to talk about with regards to the team. And I guess we should start with the lowest hanging fruit, which is that wide receiver position that you just mentioned, Paul. So it seems like, again, more due diligence bringing some of these guys in. But it does bring up the question of how many receivers do the Packers keep and if Tyler Irvin has also been taking some reps at receiver and part of that equation as well do you feel any differently now than you did when you put out your initial roster prediction do you do you think it's there's a chance that they keep six are you sticking with five I assume obviously four is too few but how do you see the wide receiver position shaking out if if neither of these guys are going to be added then it seems like it would be mostly the incumbents and then you've got the Jay Kumaro Reggie Begleton debate perhaps yeah I think as far as number of receivers goes it all comes down to how do you classify Tyler Irvin if they keep him on the roster as a receiver then I think they have six if they keep him on the roster and he's classified as a running back then I think they just go with five so Devontae Adams Al Mazzard MVS and EQ are the four and if they're keeping six and if Tyler Irvin's in that group throw him in as a number five I mean he's been working out with the receivers all um, all camp so far and I think that's where the floor is going to use him the most especially out of the slot not to say that he won't get some snaps in the backfield but when you have Jones Dylan and Williams I don't think they're gonna you know go away from that too much um, unless it's kind of some sort of gadget or trick play something like that so that leaves that last spot for Kumro. Reggie Bagleton area Shepard I think are the big three contenders for it and I, I still got to lean Kumro just because of, like I said before, it's an odd, it's been an odd offseason. It's his third year with the team, second in the Fleur offense. Um, he's a really good run blocker, which we've seen is important to Matt LaFleur and his receivers. He has QB1 in his corner, which, as we all know, is very, very important. But I, I like the idea of keeping Darius Shepard instead. Kumro is the oldest receiver on the roster. We, we know what he can do with point. And I've said it on here before. He's a fan favorite. He comes up with the big plays every once in a while. But last year, with how underwhelming the receiver unit was as a whole, he still didn't see a ton of action or targets. And I think that says a lot about that. And so we kind of know who he is as a player. But with Shepard, younger, he's got the uh, he's just got more upside. And I think when you're talking about your fifth, sixth guy on the roster, you go with the upside versus you know the the ceiling. We know who he is, kind right. of guy. So I know Shepard had a rough goal last year in the Detroit game. Um, there's an excellent article this week on Packers.com where, you know, after his interview with reporters where he discussed how he's grown from that and, and Matt LaFleur had just excellent things to say about him. He's still doing what he did last summer, but he's a year older, knows the off. Like I said, I, I like the upside that he that he brings to the position. How about you, Jason? No, I do too. And I, his, his name's gotten a lot of buzz. So then, you know, Mark gives us a hard time for being the scrollers or the refreshers. Yes, for training. Okay, so be, this is a perfect example. So Darius Shepard has gained some momentum around Packers conversations. I've been hearing his name a lot over the past week and I had not heard it before. So then that changes the dynamic of the conversation here and oh, okay, we've been talking Kumaro Begleton at the bottom of the depth chart. Now does Darius Shepard sneak in there? Does he unseat one of those two or is he in addition to one of those two guys? So this training camp, Paul, have you been... Have you been tempering yourself more when you hear good things or bad things? Like, come on, Martin. We know it's unfortunate he had the injury. We're going to talk about inside linebacker later. He gets injured. That's a bummer. But when he was healthy and he was out there running with the ones and we were hearing about that, were you as high this summer as you usually were when you hear the reports or as low when you hear that something isn't as good? Or did this summer kind of change it for you where you're like, okay, I'm not going to take it as deeply as I normally do? Yeah, it's definitely been 
different because of fortunately I'm in the Green Bay area. Like I said, last year I went to eight to 10 practices. I could see a lot with my own eyes. And then also we have preseason games as well. Um, and then along with what the, you know, the coaches say in their interviews, just kind of putting all those pieces together, but two of those, you know, not being able to go and then not having preseason games, which is a huge part of it are two big elements. So for me, it was more of seeing those names consistently. You know, I like to come to my own conclusions, but when we can't, you know, see it for ourselves, you got to rely on other eyes more so. And like someone, like you said, Kamal Martin, his name was being mentioned every day. I felt like, so someone like him, I was very, very happy. But when we go back to like the receivers where it's Shepard, Begleton, and Kumro, like you said, I mean, we haven't really heard, you know, Shepard this week, but other than that, we haven't heard either of their names for much of camp. So I don't, like I said, I think Kumro has the leg up just because of the experience that he has in the system. But as far from our standpoint on the outside looking in, it's kind of tough to get a feel on which direction the Packers are going to go with it. Because like I said, following on Twitter or in the articles up until recently that the, the beat reporters put out, we haven't heard much about either of those three. Yeah, I trust the fact that Goody's got guys coming in for tryouts. Now, listen, they've made mistakes before. They've let position groups kind of go by the wayside, and it has bitten them. And and Brian Gutekunst has been a part of that, or he was on Ted Thompson's staff when it happened. So I'm not saying that because optically he's doing all the right things that we're going to be fine at wide receiver. I I think I it lends me to believe that they have a solid plan, and they probably already know who they're going to who they're going to stick with and who they're going to keep. And the other thing too is that you're going to get like let's let's say we wake up Saturday or you know today, I should say because this is Saturday show, <laughs> right? And we find <laughs> out that Reggie Begleton has been cut. There's going to be that faction of the fan base that's going to be biting their fingernails, freaking out that he's going to sign two seconds later with another mm-hmm. team, probably the Minnesota Vikings. And we're going to lose Reggie Begleton forever, and he's going to go on to have this all-pro career. And the Packers had him in training camp, when the reality is is that the end of the day Saturday is going to roll around, and then Sunday morning we'll find out that he's been signed to the practice squad and nobody claimed him on waivers. So it, More so, yeah, I agree. It happens all the time. And Now, Darius Shepard is a different situation. I think Shepard's got some NFL experience. He made the roster out of camp last year. He was in, kept in favor of Alan Lazard, who ended up being a big part of the offense by the end of the season. I don't think Darius Shepard survives waivers quite as long, maybe, if, if he is not kept, the Packers will be lucky to get him back on the practice squad. And I like his skill set because he can return. Like you said, he can return. Anytime you have a versatile guy like that, you want to keep them in the fold. And I think there's something to be said about that maturity factor that you mentioned as well, being a year smarter, what's between your ears. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't have the physical abilities that I did when I was 22, but if I had my maturity level now which is still not all that high if you ask you know depending on who you ask and you put me with my 22 year old physicality then you're in great shape so a lot of times it it comes down to how smart these guys are and what they have between their ears I'll just say I think the Packers have generally done a pretty good job of betting players and looking for guys that bring that intelligence level to the conversation and can at least digest a playbook. And so I, I trust in them to have the best guys on the roster, but I, they know, they know that Jay Kumaro is, is if he's your fifth guy, then your first four guys better be really good. 
because otherwise it's it's not going to look great. And look, they're not going to go a bunch of five wide set. And if they do, you're going to throw some receiver or some running backs into the, the mix. You're going to throw some tight ends and H-backs out there. It's not going to be five true wide receivers like the cover Sports Illustrated in 2011 where you've got five guys like that. But yeah, the receiver position is going to be interesting. Another position on offense that uh, I thought we should talk about is the competition on the right side of the offensive line. So Rick Wagner has had some bumps and bruises, been dealing with some injuries. We knew he had some history coming in. Billy Turner is going to miss at least one game, it sounds like, so he will not play in week one. Fortunately, old veteran and, and old steady Lane Taylor has been having a good training camp in that competition with Turner on the right side of the offensive line. We talked about the interior of the old line a couple weeks ago. Mark Eckel made a good observation that just simply based on what the Packers are invested, have invested in Turner this season in 2020, it's not going to be that fair of a fight between Turner and Taylor. But my question for you, Paul, is now that Taylor is going to be the de facto starter at right guard, unless something really crazy happens over the next couple days, does this potentially give the Packers an out or an option if they want to roll with the hot hand Taylor longer, even after Turner is healthy. And again, I know about them. I know the financial factor and the money piece, but you also have made the observation as well that after this season, there's a good possibility if they don't want to roll with Turner long-term that they could let him go. And if they feel like Lane Taylor is going to be around for a couple of years, does this open any kind of a door for him or does this kind of give the Packers that convenient excuse to go that direction? To answer your question, I'm just going to go based off of what we've seen in camp. And I think it makes definitely makes week one easier for him instead of deciding between Turner, Taylor, and Wagner. Right. It's, okay, Taylor, right guard, and Wagner at right tackle. But I think I'm, – and it's going to be depending how um, Wagner plays. I mean, he's going to have you – know, I mean, if he comes out and just, you know, handles that Everson Griffin and um, – and Yannick, I mean, yeah, you keep him going. But based on how camp's gone, I, you know, Andy Herman, he's done an excellent job of keeping us up to date on everything. Billy, Turner's, Billy Turner has handled the right tackle position well. Um, pleasantly surprised, I must say so myself. But I And Wagner, on the other hand, he's been, I mean, he's been out for, I think he missed a week or so um, of time. And I, I'm sure there was three or four practices that took place in there. So right now I'm, I'm very, very concerned about the, the right tackle position, and I have been all off season. And honestly, I, I <laughs> piggyback on what you said before. They know what they're doing at twelve sixty five Lombardi Ave. They are much smarter than I am at this stuff. However, I cannot believe that Jared Valdir has not been called yet. I mean, the depth behind Rick Wagner. You know, there's Alex last year, and then it's a bunch of guys who have no NFL experience at the tackle position. Um, I mean, I think you got to get him on the phone, and he's tweeted it out. You know, he tweeted out the phone emoji and then the the strong arm saying he's ready to go. So I'm a big proponent for bringing him in just for the added depth. And he's not going to break the bank by any means. But right now, based on camp, I think the best combination that we've seen so far is Turner at tackle and Lane Taylor at right guard. But I think Taylor's kind of cemented himself right now as he's starting. And so that means either Turner or uh, Wagner is going to be on the bench uh, going you know, moving forward at some point this year until Taylor gets injured or maybe he really struggles once the games, the big games start. But Turner's getting, his cap hits $8 million this year. Wagner's is $6 million. Either way, the Packers are going to have some some serious, you know, 
cap space sitting on the bench this year. Yeah, I think, again, just go with your best player. Go with your best opportunity to win. Now, if Billy Turner has played well at tackle, which has not been what has, has been said about him, the, the more I've heard that there's more concern than not if he has to kick out a tackle. But if he's performing well and, and he's another year in the offense helping him mentally and in any other way to get better, then that only helps the Packers. I'm with you. If they're going to bring in Jared Valdir, you got to do it tomorrow Sunday, you got to give him a week prep. You can't just throw him out there and he can be working out and in great shape and all that kind of stuff, but you've got it. You've got to get him in the fold and let him be part of the week of practice. It's another thing where I think the team probably has already kind of teed up what they're going to do. And they Mm -hmm. probably told, if they're going to bring him in, they probably told him, look, unless something crazy happens, because I mean, who are they going to, unless some team cuts a right tackle tomorrow out of nowhere, that's not that expensive is young and is really good, which why would you? Well, although there are some teams out there that do some strange things (laughs) in the NFL, Jared Valdir has probably been told, make sure your phone is charged and that your ringer is turned up on Saturday when cutdowns are going on. So they've got some options. I like it. And I hope they bring Valdir in. I'm just kind of, you know, bringing guys that are trusty. He did really well in that Seattle playoff game. He's proven that he can step in and be the guy for at least a little bit. So why not go with the proven bet in a situation like that? So we talked a little bit about on the defensive side, we talked a little bit about Kamal Martin already at inside linebacker. Bummer. Sounds like he's headed for injured reserve. They can designate him to return, which I would assume the Packers will want to do to get him some NFL experience. We saw what happened last year with Jay Sternberger missing a bunch of the season. And by the time he came back, he was only able to contribute in a limited fashion and he didn't even catch his first pass until the playoffs. So Kamal Martin, especially as somebody who was working with the first team and in that base defense where the Packers want to focus on being better against the run, maybe they were going to go a little bit more base defense because they could take advantage of Martin's athleticism and Kirksey being a little more athletic than when Blake Martinez was last year. Now that might cause Mike Pettin to have to kind of change up what he is doing. But we haven't heard much about Warren Burks. It just seems like he's further and further closer to the end of his tenure in Green Bay that that looks to be one that's going to end in some disappointment because he just has not been able to flourish and turn into what they've wanted him to. But inside linebacker, we were talking a little bit before the show. I was going to ask you if it's it's an area of concern, and you've already answered that question because you made a good point. If Kirksey gets hurt in the Minnesota game in week one, you're down to Warren Burks, Ty Summers, and insert whoever it's going to be. So this is suddenly a very thin group. And for some reason, the Packers are just snake bitten in this position. They just cannot seem to get solid depth in this area for the past decade or so. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure what the football gods are, are trying to tell us. Yeah. So prior to camp starting, so throughout the off season, start of the summer, you know, inside linebacker was, you know, it was a concern of mine. Like I'm sure it was for everyone else. We didn't know how Kamal Martin was going to perform. We know that Kirksey's coming off the two years of injuries. And then we know about the other guys as well, Burke Summers. But then as camp went along, not to say that all of a sudden, like, man, this can be one of the best positions on the defense by any means, but you feel better. You see that the tweets and articles about Kirksey, you know, working well in space and covering tight ends and running backs. And then Kamal Martin emerged. I mean, he's been the most impressive rookie that the Packers have had so far in camp, playing, you know, both the pass, but also being physical 
against a run and breaking through the line on blitzes. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this, this, this is, this is looking promising. And then the Kamal Martin news strikes and he's out. And then all of a sudden it's okay. It's Kirksey again. And like you said, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and all of a sudden it's a very, very thin group. Now with Mike Patton, as we all know, they play a lot of dime over 50% of their defensive snaps were in that. So that's only one linebacker on the field. And even with how good Martin was, I don't, you know, I agree with you. I think they're going to play maybe more, more base defense, especially against the Vikings who like to run the ball where maybe more, but for the most part, I still think we are going to see predominantly Kirksey with Raven green next to him. But the overall depth of the position is a huge concern. Like I said, Kirksey's played nine games the last two years. If he goes down, I mean, we haven't, Oren Burks hasn't shown us really anything this summer. Once again, I feel like every summer, you know, it comes in and, you know, he's penciled in as one of the, you know, one of the start, you know, starting linebackers, but injuries happen and he just can't put it there. He struggles against the run. And then in coverage, he's, he's slow to diagnose the plays and he just doesn't look ready. And then Ty Summers, he still has to prove that he's more than a special teams player. So if the Packers are going to add any position tomorrow after other teams make their cutdowns, I, I think it has to be the inside linebacker strictly just for having another body in there because we don't know what's going to happen once the season starts, both injury-related and with COVID. Yeah, we're a long way removed from the days of Nick Barnett and Des Bishop, aren't we? Very much. <laughs> <laughs> ten years ten years almost. Gosh, yeah, the <clears throat> Packers have just struggled to to get that position figured out. And, and admittedly, they kind of did it to themselves a couple seasons where they didn't address or bring somebody in. A couple of years ago, before they took Rashawn Gary... Devin Bush was my guy. I wanted Devin Bush, the linebacker, with the first pick at 12, and he was taken. So they didn't have that opportunity, I think, a couple picks prior. And I think they were going to take Rashawn Gary anyway. But it's just been it's been a position of uh, that's, that's been intriguing where they've, they've wanted to try to get value over getting somebody that's really solid in there. Unfortunate for Kamal Martin, but my fingers crossed that he can come back and and he'll be okay. It's knee injuries are tricky, and I believe it was the same knee that he hurt last year. So you just never know how he's going to recover and do. And it's going to be it's going to be several weeks before he's back on the field. But sticking on the defense and what's in front of the inside linebackers, you've got the edge group and the edge depth chart. Now we know Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, one, two, three. Rashawn Gary has been having a monster camp again. Another guy that's popped off the page every time you hear about training camp with the Packers. Rashawn Gary's winning another one-on-one matchup. I think he just won another one right now, as I said this, yeah, against who I have no idea, but he's just been beating up on everybody, and, and he came in lean and ready to go, and the coaching staff loves him, and all the things you want to hear about a pick that's taken with the 12th overall selection in a draft, so that's great to hear. But let's talk about the bottom of that, t- of that depth chart. So Tim Williams is a guy down there, Randy Ramsey, and Jonathan Garvin, the seventh-round pick, what is your take on this, Paul? You actually made a good point of do they stack this position a little bit instead of just going with four? Do they add a fifth guy in there? Because Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary are versatile. They're going to move around. They're going to, they can move around on the defensive line. And so you kind of almost have to have a couple of other guys that are able to get on the edge if you're going to move Z inside. I know there's different formations that you can run with, but these guys are all going to be expected to play roles. I mean, think to a couple of years ago when Kyler Fackrell was one of the last guys on the depth chart, but he was making plays and he was being counted on to play a decent role on defense. And you've got to have guys that can rush the passer. So how do you see the bottom of this group 
taking shape then. Yeah, this fun position to talk about, you know, the other ones we've kind of been wondering about the depth at linebacker, have have the receivers at the bottom stepped up. This one is a ton of uh, at the edge position have stepped up and the Packers are going to have a tough decision to make because a lot of them have been very good. And when it comes to how many they're going to keep, I think they should keep five. Um, that's going to be one more than what they kept last year, but there's no... You know, there's no rules that, oh, you can only keep four edge rushers. Like, look at the defensive line position. We know Clark, Lowry, and Kiki are pretty much the givens. After that, it's up in the air. But if that's a weaker position and the edge and the edge position is a strong one, obviously, then keep the better players, you know, regardless of what the position is. Obviously, that's you know not always the case, but I think you get the direction that I'm going in here. So, like you said, the Smiths and Gary are three. And so who's after that? I'm just reading the tea leaves. Mike Patton mentioned that Jonathan Garvin's going to play a big role this year. So for me, it's got to be Jonathan Garvin, right? And then a couple right. weeks ago, Preston Smith said something similar about Tim Williams. So I think it's going to be those two. And then Tipa, Randy Ramsey, they've both had excellent camps as well. And I think you just you hope that you can stash them on the practice squad. Yeah, I think this is a position group where the Packers will, will do well for themselves. And I'm kind of counting on that culture with Z and Preston running the group. I mean, the defense as a whole. But with the edge rushers specifically, I think the culture of that group is going to help the bottom of the depth chart players elevate and do really good things this season. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm more intrigued, like you said. I think it's it's a fun position to talk about, and it's an interesting one to watch and see what they do. And again, cut down day. You never know what's going to happen around the NFL. We found out about some interesting cuts at the end of this week. A couple former Packers, Ha Ha Clinton, Dix, Demarius Randall. You just never know when teams are going to let guys go and for what reason. So it's it always makes cut down day interesting and fun. And it, I don't think this, this season is, is absolutely not going to be any exception because it's it's uh, there's a lot going on and a lot of things that are going to change the way teams approach how they do their rosters just because of the craziness in the world that's going on right now. So let's round out the round out the defense and talk about the defensive line. We've talked about this as an area of concern. I know Matt Schneidman of the Athletic did his roster prediction earlier this week, which is is already a couple of days have passed and some things have changed. But you've got Montrevious Adams, a third round pick from 2017. Do they keep him? You've got Trayvon Hester. You need to get Kenny Clark some help. Dean Lowry's got a lot to prove this season up front. And the contract that they gave him, Tyler Lancaster, is, again, he's great if he's at the bottom of your death chart. He had to play way too many snaps for a guy of his particular skill set. So are you feeling, nothing's really changed as far as the players, and I haven't heard much about Hester's name. Are you feeling any different about this position group, or do we still think that it's going to be an area of concern moving forward as, like I said, as we've talked about uh, several times with regards to the defensive line? Uh, that, that's a great question. I think that I think it will be improved this year because of Kingsley Kiki. I expect him to take a step forward, and by all accounts, he's had a solid camp so far. Uh, Dean Lowry, hopefully he can bounce back. And then Kenny Clark, um, there was an article on Packers Wire in one of the interviews. I'm not sure who the reporters were talking with, but said that um, Kenny Clark's really, really improved his pass rushing. So good, good luck to the offense alignment Jeez, opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, that's not good are. for opposing offenses at all. <laughs> right. So, and then you add in, you know, everyone focuses on the run, and obviously the defensive front is the front line of that. But if Kirksey can stay healthy, I think he's an upgrade over Martinez. You know, that helps the run game. Raven Green's back. He's a physical presence that, you know, Ibrahim Campbell couldn't provide last year. 
in his in his absence. So I think that helps the run game as well. And like I said, you got Kenny Clark. If Lowry can get back to his 27-18 production, Kingsley Kiki takes a step forward. I think this unit will be improved. It's not going to be, you know, they're not going to be world beaters. They're not going to be anchoring the defense by any means, but they're going to be improved on that front. And when it comes to who are they going to keep for the, you know, Mark's, Mark, if Mark listens, he's going to he's going to get me for this one. But for the longest time, I had Montrevious Adams off the roster in favor of Trayvon Hester. But like I said before the show, we haven't heard Trayvon Hester's name. And when it comes to decision-making, as long as Adams is healthy, of course, teams are going to stick with their third-round pick, even if he's underachieved, over an undrafted free agent who's in his first year and who they didn't bring in. You know what I mean? And I know this is Hester's fourth year, but he's on his fourth team as well. So for that reason, I think Adams does make the roster. But to go back to what I said earlier, I think this unit is improved compared to last year. Yeah, I think I think just by based on on the experience that they have and jumping ahead a year and another year in the defense, and again that culture, I hope so. You just you never know. There's going to be a huge drop off from Kenny Clark to anybody. But if right. Kenny Clark gets hurt or he has to miss any time, it's a big liability up front. Then all the things that you tried to do to help improve your rush defense kind of go out the window you don't have Kamal Martin who again it's astonishing that we're talking about Kamal Martin a fifth round rookie is a key piece potentially to the defense but he's not there Kenny Clark isn't there so then what's the plan how are you going to mitigate that because you still have to play all these you have a first place schedule you still have to play the Saints on the road the Niners on the road you got to play the Vikings on the road to play them twice and and all your divisional teams and all that kind of stuff so that's that's going to be an area where I think we're all going to be kind of just crossing our fingers and really hoping that it turns out okay and everything turns out okay with the with the roster but we'll see what they do and maybe maybe there's another big body that they see around the league that they want to add or whatever they might do you know there's a whole other week before the season starts so there's still some time to to make some moves but to I guess we'll we'll kind of shift gears a little bit and focus on some of the younger guys because a lot of the younger guys are being as seems like they're being going to be asked to do a lot this season and that carries risk. And that includes some guys from last year, too. We talked about Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is probably going to be okay doing what he's going to be doing as a full-time player, just based on what we've seen from practice. But Jay Sternberger's had a quiet camp so far. You've got the rookies, Josiah DeGuara, A.J. Dillon. They're going to be thrown into the mix and asked to do quite a bit. Darnell Savage, second-year safety. You've got a bunch of young guys that are potentially going to be asked to contribute. The Packers don't have the luxury of just benching everybody, even though the one guy that they are going to likely put on the bench is, is their first rounder from this year, the one they tr- traded up to draft. But that's a quarterback. It's a little bit of a different situation. So out of all of the young guys, and I guess we'll th- throw Sternberger in there, any of the, the guys from last season, which of those guys do you think the Packers are going to need the quickest and the most furious this season in order to maintain their level of success. I mean, who's the most key piece, whether it's a guy they drafted this year or a second year guy? I got to go with Jay Sternberger, just because if we look at the the other positions of those young guys, you know, A.J. Dillon, there's Jamal Owens, um, Josiah DeGora, you know, his role, I expect him to be a key piece, especially in year two and beyond, but he's just got a tough job this year of learning all the you know all that comes with being an H back playing all over the field. So not that he's not going to see playing time and stuff like that, but his role this year compared to what Lafleur eventually wants it to turn into is just going to be a portion of that. And then on the other side of the ball, Rashawn Gary, you have the Smiths, Darnell Savage, there's Adrian Amos, and then you know a nice loaded secondary with King Sullivan, Jair. 
But Jay Sternberger, the tight end receiver position, and he can really create some mismatches. You know, Goody's called him a, a matchup weapon or something along those lines. His ability to play in line, in the slot, out wide. He's lined up in the backfield. He has good speed, good hands. He's someone who can really be a difference maker for this offense um, in 2020. And I think for them to truly re- reach their potential, they need him to take a step forward. Now, that doesn't mean that if he doesn't take a step forward, for example, that this offense is going to be bad by any means. But if they want to reach, you know, what Matt LaFleur envisions for them and what this offense's full potential is, they need a tight end. This isn't the McCarthy days anymore where they can get by with mediocre tight end production. They need someone from that position to step up. And I think Sternberger's the of the group the in the best position to do so. So of the young guys for second year, I think he can make the, the, the biggest impact of that group. I would think so, too. He was my breakout player candidate and then just seeing that he's had a quieter camp, it's like, okay, maybe we need to temper expectations a little bit on him. But I think he's already got so much trust in the coaching staff and the quarterback. It's That's a good answer there, too. I'm going to go with Dylan because I think the Packers want to see what the future of the running back position is going to be. Even though they've been talking to Aaron Jones about an extension, and usually when there's conversations with the team that, that with the player that get out and we hear about it, there's a good chance that that player is going to be back or they're going to at least make an attempt to bring the player back but I think the Packers want to see what the future looks like at running back if Aaron Jones isn't going to come back or if even worse you know knock on wood if if he gets injured so I think Dylan could be that guy because Jamal Williams is he going to be back if Dylan's there and you bring Aaron Jones back a lot to figure out there a lot of things to determine you know paying running backs is risky we love Jamal. He's a friend of the, the shows over at Game On Wisconsin. He's been on, on uh, Lombardi's Bar, and he was kind enough to interact with us there as Coach Luke Neal was on our mega show. So we got to talk to him as well. It's it's, But it's just, again, that running back position is always one where you're just constantly trying to churn and figure out what you got next. So that also means you want to get your young guys in there before they've got a lot of wear on the tires so you can get the most out of them. If you're only going to have them for three or four years, then there you go. I mean, think about... Think about Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy seemed like he was with the team for almost a decade just because of how much he did and how much the Packers used him and how how impactful he was. And then all of a sudden, poof, he was gone. And it was after four seasons. So A.J. Dillon, I think, is going to get a chance to play a lot on offense. And he's just a, he's a different type back than Aaron Jones is. But you look back to the Matt LaFleur's time in Tennessee, it's hard to say anybody's going to be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry played fantastically last season, especially in the playoffs. But... I think A.J. Dillon is, is slated for that type of role. And I'm really excited. He's one of the guys I'm really excited to see just how big, fast, strong, quick, versatile he is on the field. This is this is going to be so interesting. If you want to talk about the overreaction train, Paul, <laughs> there we haven't had preseason to do that in any game action. It's all going to take place in week one, week two, week three. I mean, Twitter is just going to shut down during these games because it's like oh this is the first time we're seeing any of these guys in uniform you got to get used to what they look like what number they're wearing that you know oh this guy used to wear that number now now it's this guy you got you know think about it Rashawn Gary's 52 that was Clay Matthews for a long time Sternberger 87 that was Jordy for a long time I saw some old clips of of a Packers quarterback from back in the 80s or 70s wearing number 12 and I was like oh that's Mm. bizarre that's really bizarre (laughs) seeing a seeing a guy drop back that's not Aaron Rodgers but 
again, you know, by the time you're listening to this show, a lot of this stuff might have already started to materialize, and and maybe some of the players we're talking about aren't even on this roster, which I would hope would be the case. Let me, a lot of them are secured veterans that are that are there should feel secure in their job. But anything else to add before we sign off here with regards to this this roster? I guess my only other question I'll ask you is: There's still a week to go, but how are you feeling? given that there's only a week before we have a regular season game in Packers football that counts. I know everyone won't, but everyone needs to realize that for the Packers and every team, this the first few weeks or month is going to be sloppy. It's just how it's going to be. There were no preseason games. Practice time this offseason was cut short. And especially on the rookies and younger guys, there's going to be sloppy football out there. But overall, I am, I'm excited and I feel good. I feel like there was a lot of good things that came out of training camp that we heard about. You know, you said the Packers are relying on their young guys, and they certainly are. They're banking on internal development this year to get them to the Super Bowl. And that means guys like Rashawn Gary, um, Valdez Scantling, Josh Jackson providing some depth in the secondary. And those guys and others, you know, Kamal Martin before he got injured as well, those guys have all put together solid camps, and that's what you want to see. The guys that not all of them, but a lot of the guys that they're banking on to take a step forward have had a nice summer, and that's good momentum to carry into week one. And so, obviously, I'm just excited to have Packers football back, but I do feel really good about how this camp went. Oh, and, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers looks amazing right now, so there's that as well. Yeah, and he's ready to go. There's no question about it. I mean, this this season could end up being really special, or it could end up getting derailed by God knows what because of all the different crazy things that are happening in the world. But it's it's... There's going to be football. It's going to happen. Are there going to be 16 games? Well, obviously we don't know for sure, but I have every inkling and, and every reason to believe that there will be. That There's just too much riding on the NFL, making sure that those games get on TV. And it's going to be a little bizarre. No fans in the stands and the, the fake noise. We'll be used to that when they play the Vikings on the road in week one because, they let's be honest, that's what the Vikings do anyway. But... It's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, and we're only we're only well, like I said, only one week away. So our next show will be the last one before there's actual games to talk about, and then our show every week during the regular season is going to be the final injury update before the games kick off. So I'm assuming that's what we're going to be talking about next Saturday and throughout the regular season. So Paul, I have to give us a little bit of props and say it was a fun off season and preseason and training camp. And we came up with some really cool topics. And I know that, well, speaking of that, I know that you're writing like a madman. So what can we look forward to this week at Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV and game on? Yep. So Saturday at Dairyland today, um, I came out with my studs and duds for training camp. And as I just talked about um, with the performances, a lot more studs and duds. So that's always promising. And then once we get into the new week, we'll start previewing the Vikings. We got week one. We got Packers football. Let's get excited. Let's get excited. And I'll handle any game, any big breaking news over at Game On Wisconsin. Quick Slants podcast will be out on Wednesday as usual. And Pulse of the Pack is back on Sunday this weekend. We're going to be doing our season preview show. Paul will be with us. Jacob Westendorf, our annual tradition. And we'll talk about the roster and some of the cutdowns as well after the fact when we know what some of those are. So you can... Follow Paul at Paul underscore Brettle on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Jason Perone. This has been another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast, and we'll be back next week with, as I said, the week one injury updates. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Be safe and go Pack Go.
Mm-hmm.